0: Hi guys hope you're well uh, I've got a great guest today and it's someone that I've probably known for about 10 years or so um, and what I was very keen to do with the growth strategy podcast and live stream and all the different kind of social channels that this kind of goes out on is to kind of interview and talk to real people who work in or run real businesses but actually it's people that have genuine value that I think will be of use to you. Uh, so I never interview anyone that's just trying to plug something, I just don't do that. But then likewise, um, with within my own network, either in the Northeast of England or Aberdeen or wherever, um, it's trying to just get people involved and kind of build a bit of a community about what we're doing. So uh, I'm gonna introduce you to Chris in a second. We'll go through his backstory, how he got started in the industry, how he kind of got through to where he is today. We're going to talk a bit more about what his organization does and some of the initiatives that he's involved with. Uh, And then we'll kind of finish with some of the best advice that he's ever had and that kind of thing as well. So hopefully it'll be a really enjoyable kind of journey for the next kind of 30, 40 minutes. And if you've got any questions, feel free to drop them in onto the YouTube kind of live stream. So Chris, I'm just going to bring you in. Perfect. Would you like to say hi to everyone?
1: Steve, hi everybody. Nice to be here perfect
0: um so would you like to tell everyone who you are and where you're from i sound like Silla black when i said that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah so uh, so my name's chris beavers um, i i'm originally from from yorkshire uh, so i'm an adopted northeasterner but i've uh, i've been in the northeast for the last um best part of 18 years um, since i came up to university Uh, And uh, and nowadays, I'm working in financial services. Um, So I'm working as a a financial advisor um, with both individuals and businesses across the region and and further afield, really.
0: Oh, cool. So I must say, so we probably first met, I'm trying to think when. So it was potentially when I was at the LEP in Tees Valley, Uh, but it's certainly gone on a fair few years. And then you worked for quite a prominent recruitment firm for quite a while. Uh, which is where we definitely obviously yep. kind of got to know each other in the kind of professional circuit um but one of the things that's quite funny about the northeast of england is that with, although you probably have what five million people in the region in the kind of business community it is actually quite tight in it that most people know each other or at least you know, you've got a general awareness uh, which is both a blessing and a curse because it means that the good people stick around uh some of whom i guess like both of us take career pivots and change and stuff um but actually, because yep. of that, you get to build really kind of good relationships over time. Uh, and hence, you know, I was very keen to kind of have a chat and we'll kind of touch in on a few different things. Um, so how has lockdown been for you?
1: It's been all right, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been very different, obviously. Um, and uh, I think, you know, the number of video calls that I've done in the last few months must be running well into the hundreds now. And um, I've got two... Two kids at home as well, who are uh, eight and eleven, so uh, they've had a combination of homeschooling. The eldest one getting back to school for the last few weeks, and my wife is also self-employed, so she's also working at home. And we've got a crazy dog as well, who um, you know is loving all the attention. So it's been uh, it's been good, really. You know, it's been it's been nice to get that flexibility of just dipping in, dipping out of what's happening, you know, with the kids or with my wife um, and, and spending probably a lot more time than usual together as a as a family, um, which is which has been lovely. So, uh, yeah, can't complain, really. No, it's cool. Just out of interest, have you, for
0: what you do, has it fundamentally changed the way you do it and the way you operate for the better or for the worse due to almost forced restrictions?
1: Um, so it, it, it has um in so much as so I'm part of the St James's place partnership um which and St James's place is the the largest face-to-face wealth manager in the UK so a large part of the the, the business and the service that we deliver to our clients is very much going out sitting down with them and, and talking through their situation and, and, and their needs and um, so so fundamentally, the the inability to go and sit with somebody and do that face to face um you know has, has obviously been been impacted and um, i guess as an industry we've um and a profession we, we've had to move on to video calls pretty much immediately um and to be fair to the the clients they've embraced that you know as well um and, and understood the need for that i think that there's there's it's a bit of a double-edged sword in so much as you do you particularly with people that you're meeting for the first time, it, it can be a, a, a slight barrier to forging that immediate yeah. sort of connection.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it does mean that you can cover quite a lot of ground during your day Give versus driving off to five or six meetings, being able to do five or six Zoom calls. Um, so I think you know the the ability to to, to sit with a client and, and still have face-to-face interaction, albeit over a over a screen, um, and still you know share digital documents with mm-hmm. them. There's you know ways and means of getting around um, signing documents with sort of uh, digital signatures and things like that. Um, so you know I, I think generally uh, within what I do, you know, we are pretty much doing our best, and um, you know, slight bumps in the road as we go, but um, but you know, more than ever now, I think people need that that support, that advice around their financial situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the the fact that we can still do that, it, it, you know, is 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 really imperative to to delivering that value to clients.
0: No, honestly, it was when um, I guess because we spoke on the phone the other day. And it was almost yeah. when we were just talking, just as a kind of catch up, it is massively important that you have a lot of business owners in the region who are, they've been, well, everyone's been impacted. It's how you adapt, how do you change, and then also how do you build for the future? And we'll touch on it a bit later, the actual detail about wealth management and that, because you know, it's new to me because I'm, I guess, at the start of that kind of journey, but actually it's mm-hmm. almost, it's a very important piece that I'm keen to kind of pick your brains on which is good yeah but before we go into that kind of thing i always think that it makes a massive difference either for your your customers your clients or just your kind of general network to almost you know find out a bit more about you um so mm-hmm. you said you were born and raised in yorkshire
1: yeah Yep. Yeah. so i grew up in uh in Pontyfract in west yorkshire which is uh the home of uh Pontefract cakes which uh licorice so um yeah I grew up there until uh turned 18 uh, and then studied English language actually at Newcastle University. Um, uh, once I'd graduated, I graduated, uh, I moved into a, a role with Procter and Gamble, um, based in the northeast, and, and spent about seven years with P and G in various different roles, um, mainly focused on supply chain management across mm-hmm. the region, across Western Europe. Um, and that was, you know, a great experience. You know, massive global company, lots of opportunity to travel. Uh, you know, went to places like Costa Rica, oh, nice. Warsaw, Cincinnati. Um, you know, so so that was great. And um, I took a, I guess, a, a, a change direction um, about eight years ago now, and, and moved into, as you said, recruitment, um, uh, and 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 really tried to to leverage the 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 you know, experience that had an industry to add value to clients and candidates in that, in that space.
0: Can I ask, how did you find that change? Cause I've got friends that work for PNG and in my head, mm-hmm. I can kind of get a feel for what it's like almost yeah. to then move to a smaller organization, but almost a different sector. How did you find the change?
1: I think it, it was, it was something that I personally felt like I needed to do. Um, I think you know, I, I, whilst I enjoyed my time at P and G and there's, you know, it's a great company and, and, you know, there's lots of people in there that I was interacting with that had been there for a long time and, and probably still are in most cases to be fair. Um, but I think I found the change quite refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, P and G was, was really the only corporate experience that I'd had after graduating. Um, and whilst I'd worked through university and, and, and prior to that, you know, it, it was just sort of weekend jobs or summer jobs to, to, to earn some extra money, really. So, you know, I, I was keen to experience other business cultures, see how other businesses work um, and probably spend time in something where I had a bit more bit more influence yeah, um, and exactly. a bit more sort of interaction across the business rather than being very siloed in, in one particular um, space within it.
0: Yeah, I had a conversation with an MD today. And we were talking about how almost, I think certain people just have a drive, and I'm one of them, to keep learning, keep developing, keep things fresh. Um, and I don't know if, you, if that resonates with you or not, where actually you kind of, you felt like you learned your craft, but you just wanted a new kind of challenge.
1: Definitely, definitely. I, I mean, I've, I'm somebody that over the last, you know, 18 years since university has grown to love learning just off my own back. Um, and I think like you say, you sort of get to a, I, I felt personally like I sort of plateaued a little bit and that, that wasn't something that I wanted for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to keep, you know, climbing up that hill and keep going. Um, and I felt like I needed to change company and, and change direction in order personally for me to be able to do that. really. So yeah, but I definitely I agree.
0: In James's interview last week, he talks about ducks and Eagles and even he very dynamic, great guy. Felt that he went through something similar. Um, I've mm-hmm. never stayed anywhere long enough to feel that way, but I I get, I get there quickly, kind of thing. But it's, it's when you've kind of you've learned your craft and you know you're good at something and you're ready to kind of chomp at the bit. Uh, and yes. you know, I think with certain people, generally entrepreneurial type people, that's almost mm-hmm. one of the things that they have. And actually, you know, I don't think everyone does. So it's you know it's a trait to kind of uh, be proud of. And then was yeah. it about two years ago you decided to make a change?
1: Um, so it was, it was less than that actually. So it was about twelve months. Um, so uh, so yes, I'd been part of of a journey with with the recruitment business that I'd been with the last few years, where we'd gone through a, a lot of growth. Um, and I, I was, you know, sort of tapped on the shoulder, if you like, by somebody in financial services, um, to to ask whether or not I'd ever considered, you know, doing that. And um, there's a lot of uh, synergies with the type of role that I was doing previously. It's very people focused mm. and building relationships and all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so decided literally about 12 months ago now, um, to, to take that sidestep.
0: Yeah. That's very cool. Cause I remember we met, I think it was in we Browns met. and, yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a bit of a chat and you, you talked about how you were about to do your exams or you were kind of studying for them. Would you like to almost yes. talk yeah. people through the process to almost do what you've done? And the idea, as I mentioned before the call, is that I'll kind of clip this up, but actually for people who want to get into financial services, etc., might find it really interesting to just kind of know what the process is, what the kind of exams are, how long it takes and, that, and what it means at the end.
1: Yeah, sure. Um. So I guess there's, there's a few different routes that you can take into financial services. The challenge is... Nowadays, versus um, you know a few years ago, is that it's becoming it's become increasingly more regulated. It's moved from an industry to a profession, um, so that so the barriers to entry um, have, have, have increased. And the route that I ended up going down was um, a, an accelerated route, um, which meant that I um, I went back into full time learning mode for six months basically where, um, so St. James's Place, which is the organization that, that I've aligned myself with, run a, an academy program, which is a six month program for experienced professionals to um, get you through the, the qualifications that you need to take. Um, and, and that in in my case, uh, specifically as a diploma in regulated financial planning, which is through the Chartered Insurance Institute. Um, as well as sort of induct you into both the, the wider organization and the the industry in general. Mm-hmm. Um, because pretty much everybody that was on the program that I was on had no background in financial services. And um, so it was getting up the curve in terms of what does that industry look like? How does it operate? How is it regulated? All that type of stuff. Um, uh, and that worked really well for me. You know, it was, something that um that i enjoyed going through the process of, of learning and um and the fact that i was able to to do that and and do it in such an accelerated period of time meant that you know there's a lot of knowledge that's aggregated over the last six months that i'm now able to go back out into the real world and you know uh, use in front of clients and and to help clients and um, you know as, as i'm sitting down with them really
0: Cool. because I must say one of the things that I kind of realized actually when we were talking before and we were talking about the both I like the brand positioning of the UK's largest face-to-face provider. I think it's very clever about how you niche um, you know yourself with that. But essentially what you do and actually what I do is a lot, is a lot about trust because actually yep. especially for what you do, If someone's gonna hand over their life savings, their pensions, their their house in some ways, you know, everything, you have to have absolute 100% trust that this guy, what he's telling me is accurate, I have faith in him. Um, You know, it's not that you can't not lose your money, but you understand the risks and it's that credibility that actually I think the high barrier to entry is a good thing because again, it shows that anyone that is willing to go through the pain if that you know makes sense because i think was it in edinburgh that you went for some of your exams i can't remember yeah it was it was but my point is that the if someone was just a shyster and they were trying to get a quick get rich quick or whatever they probably wouldn't go through the pain they'd just do something else so again it's yep. all really it's good and then it's how i guess in some ways having when you said about uh, you left uni 18 years ago and i'll be something that's similar I thought, God, we're getting old now. It it, kinda, it catches up with you quick. But actually, you know, I imagine you were tapped on the shoulder because of your network, and they would have liked how you operate, how you come across, what you do, so that actually, you will have trust with a lot of people that you know already over the past, I guess, 18 years, that although you might have operated for a different company in a different sector, your moral value and what you're about and your background and your approach, you know, people recognize, again, as we said at the start, uh, you know, it's quite a small region, but it will all accumulate and add up to hopefully what you're kind of doing now and almost, you know, in a very successful way that I hope when you do your own business development and go and speak to people, you know, you've already done 90% of the, the difficulty to almost make yourself credible. And then yeah. the last section is just, is the product and service right for the person, um, you know, mm. at that time kind of thing. Um, yeah. So would you like to... Guess, tell people a bit more about what you offer and how it works
1: yeah absolutely and um, so i think uh you know in terms of the a very broad strokes approach generally looking at pensions investments and protection for clients and um, but in a very holistic way so what i'm looking to do is build long-term relationships with clients where i can be a trusted partner to them in terms of helping them to achieve their objectives. Um, and so the process really is, is 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 quite simple in terms of what we do um, to, to understand where the, the needs of those clients are. So the first thing that I'll do when I'm sitting down with a client is understand what are your objectives and goals? Where do you wanna be in five, 10, 15, 20 years time? That, you know, so for some clients that might be retired, sitting on a desert island. For some clients that might be exiting their business. For some clients that might be watching their children graduate, um, but it's understanding in your individual circumstances, what is that objective? The next thing then is, okay, so what are your current circumstances now? What, what are you doing from a financial planning perspective to put yourself in the best position to achieve those goals? Um, and quite simply, by by overlaying the goals and objectives against the current financial situation, you know we can then, or I, I can then, um, use the expert knowledge that I've developed, you know, through that through that learning program, to to identify where the gaps are and where the areas that could maybe use a bit of tweaking are, um, and then work out a, a bespoke. Financial plan and, and some solutions for that client to address those need areas. Really, um, you know, and, and, and then you know, the idea of the the long-term relationship is that, that doing something like that isn't isn't just a transactional yeah. once in a you know once in a lifetime sit down and then you do it and it's done. It's something that will constantly evolve, and um, and so I want to be sat with those clients as their circumstances are evolving. Um, and helping them to negotiate those those changes and those you know bumps along the road, and yeah. um, to make sure that their plan holds its um, you know it, the the plan lives up to, to what we set out to do with it in the first place, and and, uh, and and gets them to the closer to the objectives and goals that they've set themselves really.
0: Yeah, because there's so many synergies with what I do when essentially you're going in to grow and turn around someone's business, is that based on what they're actually trying to achieve, your approach is completely different. Um, And, you know, one client in Stockton, uh, early 60s wants to retire in a certain amount of time. He would like a certain amount of money in his pension. How can we get to that level? Okay, well, actually, when you look at the business strategy, I think we can get there without actually doing anything drastically different. As where if you were trying to launch a new startup and you were trying to get to wherever, you almost have to do more high risk high return there's a different approach and I guess with yourselves it's completely true but one of the things I almost uh, realized is that it's how much emotional faith and support we actually provide in different ways because for the person on the other end it's a very emotional process that in which case be it their their life's work or their business is their baby that often they do need someone that they can trust to kind of just brain dump on. They know it's not going to go any further, but actually for me, all of that extra information adds flavor to the plan and how you direct it and how you build. And actually, there are great synergies between what we do, as well as hopefully I'll be making business owners better off, which then helps you. But it, you know, it, it. But I think that's almost the more you kind of piece together the the economy and the supply chain and how it kind of works. I think it's kind of fascinating. One question I do have, which is as true for myself, but probably lots of people. If you have uh, a pension pot, or realistically, five or six little pension pots, is it better to consolidate it in one place or kind of leave them as they are?
1: Um, I guess there's, there's no fixed answer to that. And again, it comes back to what do you want to achieve with it? And um, I think the main thing, uh, Steve, is that that you're taking control of that. So if those pension pots, whether there's one, two, three, four of them, do you know how that pension is invested? Is it invested in the way that you're comfortable with? Is it invested in the way that is in line with your attitude to risk? And um, and and so from there, you can then extrapolate, well, actually, you know, the I'm, I'm better. Are off changing this or changing that or mm. consolidating? The one thing I would say about consolidating into one pot is that you're giving it the best opportunity to compound and grow by using the economies of scale okay. of of the the amount of money that's in there really. Um, oh, cool. So
0: yeah, it was just it was on those questions that you know I think a lot of people will have on their mind. So I'm just going to ask this
1: stuff. Yeah, in context, I, I've consolidated mine. And based on what I've learned over the last six months, I had three old pensions. So I've consolidated all of mine into one now. So,
0: yeah, because that's almost uh, it's a good acid test. You know, if when you want someone's advice, it's saying, well, what would you do? And, you know, and that's almost, I guess, for you or for me, it's almost when you put your own neck on the line to actually say, well, actually, if it was me, I would do this. And then, you know, one of the things I'm gradually hopefully getting better at is it's the trust in the person on the other end. Say, look, if that person is a professional in that particular area, I will trust that they know more than I do. Yes, I'll use my gut feel and intuition, but actually, but no, it's cool. Um, do you mind if I ask you about some of the other kind of initiatives that you're involved with? Sure. So you're on the board of trustees of something called a Pi Project. Would you like to tell everyone what that is?
1: Sure. So, the Pi Project is a a charity which is based in the Northeast. So, Pi is primary inspiration for enterprise. Um, uh, And the charity was set up about six or seven years ago um, with the purpose of helping to drive aspiration in primary age children. So, you know, once kids go to high school and start to move towards A-levels, they get support from the school, from... You know outside businesses and careers support careers guidance actually the 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 guiding thought behind the pie project is should we be doing that earlier should we be starting kids on that path just from driving an awareness in them at, at an earlier age which is exactly what we do so we deliver um enterprise uh, an enterprise-led project which is delivered in two stages with primary schools, primary schools across the region and um, which is you know designed to give uh, give primary age children experience of what it is like to set up and run a business wow. so we give the schools that progress to the second stage we give them uh, a, a pot of seed money each and they have to go through an interview process to appoint, you know, general manager, sales manager, all that kind of thing. Um, and then they have to come up with a business using that seed money that they think is going to generate the most profit that they possibly can. And um, any fit that they make on top of the seed money, um, they get to keep. And there's also a, a monetary prize, for the top three schools in each cycle um, that they can then use towards well, anything within the school, but, you know, hope we hope that they would use towards further yeah. driving that, that level of education in, in their children, really. So
0: No, it's very cool. I must yeah. it back in, when was it? Around Christmas, I think it was. I went out for a family meal back at home. So I don't have kids, my, my brother does. And he's got yeah. an eight-year-old called Alfie. And Uncle Stephen had obviously started his business and whatever. And actually, we were in a Greek restaurant. And with an eight-year-old, we were talking through business concepts. And actually, I was shocked at how much I was in like actually impressed about how much you knew about buying stock and selling it. And I was like, you know, I was amazed that this eight year old, and he's a smart lad, but likewise, from pay, what does he do? He loves Lego and all the usual stuff that eight year olds love. But actually, yeah, yeah. he knew more than probably I did at an older age um but i was just running press so i completely kind of buy into what you're doing and i think as well especially now you've got the gig economy you've got a lot of people uh, sadly at the moment who are maybe considering starting their own thing because you know they've had to um i think it's actually a great thing to kind of spark the idea early early doors and a lot of the kind of entrepreneurs and people that you follow on youtube and stuff a lot of them did start at school selling crisps or baseball cards or whatever um I know, it's very cool, very cool. You know, and it's,
1: it, I think the challenge sometimes, Steve, is that, you know, the, there's certain professions that are talked up through schools, you know, and there's clear, that there are clear paths to, whether it's being a lawyer, being a doctor, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But actually, how do you go about becoming an entrepreneur? How yeah. do you go about becoming a, a you know, a, somebody a, somebody who founds a business? Um, you know, one... so, so we're trying to give kids that visibility from an earlier age. Because the
0: one thing that i've noticed as well is that like on this kind of channel i've interviewed dentists and property managers and everything but the one thing as you go through your career so my wife's a solicitor but actually as you progress further through the entrepreneurship business sales management side gets more and more important but actually you'd be amazed at how much businesses or maybe not but people that watch might about how they're all the same yeah. and the concepts and same and it's just but it's fascinating that most people aren't taught how to do that does that make sense yes, yes. you can yeah, go yeah. into an mba and yes you know there are different avenues to help solve that problem i won't plug the thing i'm launching at the end of the year but you get my point but it was just exactly what you say that it's just it's yeah, no, fascinating. That's cool. Um, would yeah. you like to tell or talk about the million steps project?
1: Uh, yeah. So the, the 1 million steps challenge is, um, so it's a third party challenge. It's being run by a 1 million steps organization, but as a board of trustees for the PI project, um, we're all uh, taking part in that this year. So that started in the middle of June. It runs for a hundred days. And um, so it'll finish sometime towards the end of September. And during that period of time, um, we are all committing to walk at least one million steps. Um and do, by doing that challenge, we're looking to try and raise funds for the charity um itself. So all all funds raised by us as a board um will go back into the charity and, and be used for delivery of those future projects, essentially. So
0: no, I think it's very cool. I must with since lockdown happened, all my, my gym has been shut. My basketball, which yeah. is regular weekly, is all stopped. And I realized I got some photos taken on Friday. I'd put on a little bit of weight. I was like, ah. Oh. But actually, you know, yeah, just, it's. I think sometimes it's having the, the drive, the initiative, and it's almost when there's an extra cause to just get yourself out there. And, you know, walking is a very good way to build a good level of fitness. So I really kind of appreciate it. So
1: it's a little reminder to me every day because yeah. I, I sort of, you know, get partway through the day and think, well, how many steps have I done? And if- I've just been sat at my desk then it's uh, it's probably very few
0: no cool um the same is true with me but I hate to admit it so one of the the questions that I ask everyone one's well, two questions um and it has its own section on youtube and I clip it up and I, I do that because actually I genuinely think it's useful for people going through their own careers just to pick people's brains and kind of you know learn I guess from others in a way that me personally almost I was am I Although my uncle did own a business, I didn't really know him and I never got a chance to ask him about it. But my point is that almost, I had to teach myself everything in a lot of ways, you know, that I think this is actually quite useful for people, whether they kind of watch it or not. Um, So can I ask you, what's the best piece of advice you've ever had?
1: Um, So in terms of advice, I think I try and assimilate information from lots of different sources and I do lots of reading and that kind of thing. but in terms of specific pieces of advice, um, I think when I when I joined the business that I was previously at, um, the, the the founder uh, of that business, who's a guy that we, we both know, Richard Hogg, um, I've come from a, a, an environment where it was very much expected to put on a, a professional mask, if you like. Um, and, and one of the first things that, that Richard um, you know, t- told me was, be yourself, let down your guard, be vulnerable, let people see the real you, which is exactly what you were talking about before as well, Steve. But um, I think, and, and I, I took that on board and that totally changed my style of how I interacted with other people in a professional setting. Um, but I think by doing that, that totally also transformed the, the level of relationship that I was able to create with them. And it's still something that I, you know, yeah, it's still something that I, you know, try and adhere to now in terms of, you know, not just sticking to the professional line of things, but actually, you know, just asking the questions of how are you, how's your family, what kind of stuff do you get up to? and And once you know those people, that rapport just builds and, 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 the, the Like you say, the depth of the relationship that you get with those people is so much more than it would be if you were purely just talking to them about professional stuff. So for me, that, that's that been something that's really changed my outlook um, and I think has, you know, hopefully allowed me to be much more successful than I would have been otherwise.
0: Oh God. But again, this is why I like to do this because a lot of people do live streams, but they just focus on the purely business specifics of plug in something or they get paid to do it. As we're actually, I want to actually get to know the people and the background and the story, because by the way, your wife has a very cool job that when, um, you can say what she does, so I don't get it wrong, but I actually wanted to do something similar when I was probably about 18, 19, but instead went into engineering. Yeah. So what does your wife do?
1: Um, so she's a freelance writer, essentially, which um, covers, you know, a, a, broad, um, a broad base of activities, but she writes about um predominantly sort of beauty lifestyle and health and um, so it's i didn't want to be a
0: beauty writer but the idea to write a column in a magazine because yeah. she she's written for some quite cool uh, famous magazines but my point is yeah, yeah, yeah. that at one point was almost not my dream job i think what it was it was in the probably in the 90s watching sex in the city and carrie bradshaw was a columnist and stuff And um, I always, but I think part of it is that that same creative outlet is why I write my social media now. That's my kind of 1300 characters, but I I appreciate anyone that does that because I know how difficult it is, but also it's kind of pretty Mm cool. Anyway, back to the the questions and the other one, which can be any age, any background, any whatever you wish. If you were to give advice to your younger self, what would it be?
1: so I think the main thing that I would like to go back and impart on myself is that you've you've got well. There's two things I think. Um, if I, if I may be so bold as to uh, do to give two hands. that <laughs> the the first one is that you've you've got to do it. You've got to do it yourself. You, Nobody is going to take responsibility for your success other than yourself. And I think if I look, if I'm critical around how I went about the early part of my career, part of me was probably expecting somebody to see potential in me Mm -hmm. and take a chance on me. Um, And and I've got to the stage now where you realize that, you know, you're not in a movie. That's not going to happen. You've got to take responsibility for your own success, like I say. So, So that's one thing that I think I could have learned earlier on in my career. The second thing is it, a, a realization that came to me four or five years ago, I think, but it's that um, you were, if, if there's something that you're not looking forward to doing, you're never going to feel like it, whether it's now or something that you're trying to put off for later in the day or later in the week or however you're trying to kick that can down the road, the reality is you're never going to feel like it. So just front up and do it now, get it out of the way because you'll feel a lot better once you have done yeah. Um and, and, and again i think that was something that it took me time to learn through mistakes and experience um that, that i now try and adhere to every day and just think well what is the stuff that i don't want to do i'm going to get that out of the way first in my day really so
0: but like related to that so for instance touch some wood my business is going quite well and the clients are happy and that kind of thing but still i i worked really hard last week decided to take the weekend off and for me that's a big thing take two days off yeah. which some people laugh at but for me that's a big thing Um and then actually but even on Monday morning I was going into a client's office I knew they were happy with me I knew what we were doing but still part of me was just a bit worried and you can overthink and over worry on stuff and um, when you really don't have to but actually when as soon as I was in the office and I was up to speed again you kind of realize actually it was fine my point exactly what you're saying often the thing that you worry about isn't as bad as what you think it's gonna be or if you have made a mistake because this is one of mine is that if you have a mistake on anything just as early and quickly as you can just raise your hand It was my fault I've made a mistake with this how do we fix it and it's just um, yeah I think no I appreciate your your honesty and your answers and they're, they're very cool so is there anything that you would like to talk about is there anything you would like to plug at the moment
1: um, well, I think you know, still being reasonably fresh into the financial services business, you know, clearly I'm I'm keen to try and get some traction with that, um, uh, and 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 build just really build people's awareness and and their knowledge of what does that mean, and um, you know, because terms like wealth management um, get used, and and that can be that can evoke a certain reaction, mm-hmm. um, a quite a visceral reaction, I think, by people in so much as they either perceive themselves as being wealthy or not being wealthy in in one particular term, yep. um, in terms of how much money they've got. Wealth management is, is almost a, a bit of a misnomer, if you like, in so much as what I do for, for clients is holistic financial planning, right from the early stages of you know, buying your first house, getting married, having kids, all the way through to the, the latter periods or the, you know, the later periods in people's careers where, you know, that that um that earning power and and probably the amount of money that they have got has, has increased. So I think, you know, like I say, a, a large part of the conversations that I have with people at the moment are, you know, this is what this looks like and, and actually this is how this can support you at this point in your life. And like we said before, you know, it's a bespoke service. So it, it, it sort of evolves and changes in line with that. One of
0: the things that I think is also uh, accurate is that with, so I'm fortunate in some ways that I grew up working class, but I've now graduated to be middle class. You know, there's no denying that I'm a professional, so is my wife, we have a nice house, so, you know, that kind of thing. But what I was going to say is that with, when we're trying to uh, get more social equality on different things and actually kind of help lift people up and etc. Um, I know that you also know people that are in property and, you know, who interact with them and that kind of thing. But my point is, it's almost the whole rich dad, poor dad thing of when you knew mm-hmm. better, you did better. But likewise, a lot of people, including me at a much earlier age, would never have been taught how to manage money, what to do. You know, so a lot of people actually do still live hand to mouth. And I kind of realized yes. this in one of my former jobs that we employed... Uh, about 15 give or take minimum paid workers to do manual tasks within the factory and they're all great people very generous etc but actually the whole way that they they still rented the house they couldn't afford to buy it they didn't necessarily have any savings or buffer but actually I think it's also a big piece just to help educate more people to almost help them mm-hmm. lift them out of the situation they're in because They're not getting that information from anywhere else does that make sense and i think there are you know there are things um that we can do in society even if it's only doing videos that go on youtube that just help educate people on stuff that you can do because chances are within their standard kind of social circle they're probably not going to get that from anyone else um so i've really enjoyed kind of catching up today what are we on we are on give or take 40 odd minutes but again that's a good length of time uh, but it's been nice to catch up and obviously with lockdown we haven't really got a chance to kind of see each other pers- you know in person but hopefully before too long they'll start doing networking events again and different things and it'll be good to kind of see yeah. you on the circuit and yeah definitely kind of stay in touch yeah thanks
1: steve thanks for having
0: me no worries and thank you for sharing your story all right cheers chris and we will catch up soon all right cheers mate.